Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC Podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 32 of 2021, and I'm looking forward to some time off in August. I'm Chris Lurie, and with me, I have someone who has already taken some time off at the end of our fiscal year, Brian Deach. Hey, hey, hey. Just got back from Orlando, little family trip. Uh, pro tip, Disneyland, I'm sorry, Disney World in Orlando in, a, in July don't do it. It was miserable. It is hot. It is humid and disgusting. That's all I can say. But we had a great time. I could have told you that regardless of Disneyland, just anything in Orlando in July is just terrible. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, we did go to Coca Beach, I think. And that was fun. The, the waves are taller than me. And if you guys don't know, I'm about six foot two. And so it was, it was pretty crazy times out there. We had a good time. Yeah. The best place in Orlando in July is the Texas Day Brazil in air conditioning. Yeah. So the kids, the kids <laughs> asked me, Dad, what was your favorite ride? I said the the air conditioned bus ride back to our car. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, welcome back, Brian. And we also have Glenn Medina, who I am really surprised he's not doing this podcast from the pool in his backyard, since we're currently experiencing heat wave here in Northern California. Except it missed my town, where it's a balmy sixty degrees Fahrenheit today. Yeah, Chris. I, I probably next time I think I will set up my 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 rig in the backyard. And hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. <laughs> Happy to be back for podcast number nine uh, with my two cohorts. Uh, we had a beef break uh, from the heat wave this last week, but I think we're heading back into the high nineties again. Uh, hoping everyone out there is staying cool. And Chris, you suck for being in the sixties. And I think you forgot a one. We're on episode 19 today. Oh, 19. Excuse me. I apologize. No guests this week due to travel schedules. We hope to get someone on next week. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The Olympics are underway right now, officially called the 2020 Olympics, even though they're taking place in 2021. It is the first time in history that the modern Olympics were delayed. The Olympics Olympics were canceled due to world wars, but never delayed. Now, did you guys watch the opening ceremony? I'll give you my highlight and my lowlight. So the highlight, I like that for the first time, the International Olympic Committee recognized and honored the athletes from Israel, which were killed in 1972 Olympics in Munich by the Palestinian group Black September. It only took him 49 years to do that. The low light was the overall opening ceremonies. To me, the opening ceremony is supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to kick off the games on a strong foot. And I remember the opening ceremonies in Beijing. I remember the opening ceremonies in London where they they had James Bond and the Queen of England jumping out of a helicopter and parachuting into the stadium. Now, how can you follow that with some people running on some treadmills? So I didn't watch the uh, the, the openings, but I'll, in, in all fairness, I never watched the, the opening uh, to any Olympics, to be honest with you. Maybe like 92 Barcelona when Jordan was there. That's about it. Yeah, this is one of those years that I just have been so disengaged from sports simply because I have better things to do with my life. So <laughs> now I, I'm not going to lie. I, I've uh, watched snippets of, of the Olympics here and there. Uh, I saw uh, you know, like free freestyle skateboarding, uh, women's skateboarding 
and participation from 13 year I think a 13 year old uh, Japanese uh, young girl young woman uh, take gold uh, I saw a Filipino weightlifter take gold for the first time in a hundred years uh, total surprise there um, lots of good things but again just got better things to do in my life right now so not to say that it's unimportant but like I said it's uh, it's it's, uh, it's fun yeah. I got other things that are fun. Excuse I, me. Yeah, I was I'm like you. I was all scheduled to watch it last year when it was supposed to happen. But, you know, <laughs> odd number Olympic years just don't work for me, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, for me, if, it, if it's not the Winter Olympics and it's not curling, then I, I just tune out. So I've, I've really not been curling? tuning Shut into up. the actual Olympics. Yeah, curling. But, yeah. Here's a surprise for you, though, right? So our, our men's basketball... Uh, is supposed to be the baddest of the bad, but yet they lost. I think opening round. I I don't know remember what the stats were on that, but that's that's pretty uh sad, don't you guys think? Yeah, yeah. I I do remember the the Olympic Dream Team, and yeah, we had the best of the best, and it's been I think it's been going downhill since since that Dream Team. I, mean, I know we've done well, but we didn't do exceptionally well like our our original NBA Dream Team. So yeah. we do have some superstars that are in the NBA that actually play for other countries, right? So the NBA yes. has evolved a lot. They, they got a lot of people in other countries that play, and these guys go back and play on you know behalf of their country and just killing it. I love watching. You know, I like sports. I, I like competition, and uh, you know, I want Team USA to win. But at the same time, it's 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 fun to watch. <laughs> what can I say? Absolutely. Yeah, we want it to be competitive. Uh, so if, if if the NBA, if the Team US had all the good players, then it wouldn't be quite as fun. I mean, not like when they were winning with the Dream Team by 50, 70 points. <laughs> Every once in a while, you had to just kind of exert your authority out there. Just let people know, right? It's like dropping right. bombs and taking gold in the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> They could have. They probably could have sent the college players and could have took first, second, and third. You know those years. So they used to do that before that. It was the... all right. On to our first topic. I'm going to tell you guys about a guilty pleasure, Ramon. I I love stupid criminal stories. There are these guys or girls who try to rob a gas station, and when they they put down their gun on the counter to steal a pack of cigarettes, and then the gas station attendant grabs the gun and and turns the table. Like, I, I I just love stupid criminal stories and the other thing that i enjoy just as much as stupid criminals is scamming the scammer i despise the low lies who scam people out of money now there are the nigerian 419 email scams there's moneygram scams that brian incidentally accidentally took took part of <laughs> what a loser uh, cold callers who prey on elderly people with irs scams jury duty and dmv scams but this should also include ransomware crews. After the whole dark side and colonial pipeline debacle, many underground cybercrime forums banned advertisements for ransomware, citing too much heat for from law enforcement. Similar to how Reddit banned many popular subreddits related to crimes such as shoplifting and selling illegal drugs. The Babook ransomware gang saw that as an opportunity and opened up their own cybercrime forums. So they, there's a vacuum that people weren't allowed to talk about or advertise ransomware, and Babook ransomware crew uh, stepped up. The Babook ransomware crew was responsible for some of the high-profile attacks, such as the one against the D.C. Metro Police. They ransomware them, they stole their data, 
And when Was- the Washington, D.C. didn't pay up, they started leaking information that they stole, uh, including information regarding confidential informants. So I just have zero sympathy for them. Turns out someone registered a bunch of fake accounts on Babook's forum and threatened to spam the forum into oblivion unless they paid him or her $5,000. Babook did not pay, and as a result, the hacker began flooding the forum with GIFs of, let's just say, uh, adult content. And not just any adult content, adult content promoting alternative lifestyles. It's not the perfect system of justice, but I have to say, what goes around comes around. Instant karma. (laughs) Okay, I just can't say any more, but just just karma. (laughs) It's hilarious, but I I almost feel like uh, I wanted to go back to, if I could have a perfect world, it would be 1999, but I would have my gigabit internet. And I just go out to the uncensored unregulated internet just to do and see whatever I want. I remember there's so many good times on chat forums and and you name it, right? There were so many things that you could do. I'm not a huge fan. Not that I would advocate that we should be doing, you know, uh, shoplifting, selling illegal drugs. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know that I necessarily want that to be regulated because you start there, you know, give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Yeah, and it's not like... You can't find that out there on the internet. There's, I'm sure there's other places you can discuss it, other forums, but I think more of the mainstream sites that want to legitimize themselves, they, they try to purge themselves of things that people consider uh, undesirable, I guess. But, but yeah, like you said, if this is undesirable today, you know, who gets to choose what's undesirable? Do you think it was Reddit? They're like, they were pissed that they lost a bunch of subscribers, so they, they started, you know, flooding this forum with all these adult gifts in their repertoire. <laughs> Get them back. I like to think it's some kind of vigilante hacker out there that, that are just trying to scam the scammers, just saying, you know, how do you like it? Like, we'll we'll put you to ransom. You know, give me money, or I'm gonna mess with your business. And they this is, sure this mess is with their business. Straight up a juvenile, right? Number one, it's the 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 content that's being served up is something that is probably talked about like in an eighth grade locker room. And then two, the amount of money that they're looking for, five grand, like. That's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of money, but if you're going to do something like this, you know, swing for the fence, not enough to go buy a used Honda Civic. Like $5,000. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you didn't write like 50 yeah. and then not all that. Like, what type of alternative lifestyle are we talking about here? Is it like animal? <laughs> is, it, uh, is it? It's in the show like notes. Uh, there's <laughs> it's, a, in... it's pretty, ex- <laughs> the, the link is, uh, yeah, it's in the show notes. You guys will see it. I'm not going to mention it, yeah. but. <laughs> Klingon? <laughs> yeah. I, Links I will be about, in the description. Yeah, it's about cooking, right? You know. Oh yeah. Keto <laughs> lifestyle gotcha. type of I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think? Do you think it was a young person? I don't know. Hard to say. Like 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 you said, it, it is juvenile, but it, it's it's also objectionable. And especially for these ransomware crews that are out of Russia, it's it's especially taboo. These these quote alternative lifestyles are are not 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 approved in Russia. They're not supported in Russia. So it, it could be they're trying to find the most offensive thing they could could do and and post it there. Uh, but it it could also be a juvenile, and this is their their type of humor. Does this cause like online 
escalations of of territory where it's like you hack one person and then they come back and try and hack you they figure this out and it just keeps escalating escalating it's just a, a, a new thing that's going to go on now yeah it's definitely possible like in, in my past life i had to moderate a forum uh for for a company i worked for and i mean it was hard to keep spammers off your forum like you could do captchas you could do registration you could do you know pre-approved registrations only and there are a number of things we did to try to keep the scammers or the spammers out and it, it is hard it is a giant game of whack-a-mole i think or i wonder so in that tv show mindhunter where it's like when the fbi started interviewing serial killers to be able to profile like bad people i wonder if like fbi or maybe the cia is trying to figure out how to profile like online people that are doing nefarious things, right? Like, I wonder if there's some indicators here. Like, they're like, clearly this is a 13-year-old boy that lives in Boston and he's got a southern draw. <laughs> like, I wonder if they can actually do that. I think they've done that with some of the ransom notes that, that the ransomware crews leave behind. The type of broken English they use, the type of misspellings they use specifically. Um, mm -hmm. They can actually tie ransomware crews together based on the ransom notes that were left behind that, you know, they, they claim to be a different group, but they said, well, the the language in this ransom note really matches closely to the language in this other ransom note. So we could basically, we could tie the two groups together or one crew just ripped off another. Have you, have you seen that, uh, the note, I forget what it was on some CIA thing operation. They're trying to figure out like. Who's doing, you know, who's the spy and, and you know, they're, they're monitoring several people and trying to figure out what's going on. And the indicator that was given away was when this guy went to go pick up some flowers for his wife, the way he, the way that he carried the, the flowers. So if you're in the United States, you kind of hold the flowers upright, you know, the flowers up. But if you're from Europe, you'll, you'll kind of just point them down at the ground and walk. And that was the, the indicator that kind of like compromised him entirely. Right. So as a rule of thumb, anytime I get flowers, they're pointed to the ground. Play your mind games with the CIA. You Super care nice. like a European is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I go out in the desert and shoot my gun. They're just like, I don't know what to think. Yeah, you just confuse them. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this vandalism, I guess you can call it vandalism, it actually reminds me of another similar story, not exactly scamming the scammers, but you know, I'm, I'm actually... I think it's hilarious that it happened was um, during the height of ISIS when they were going online and recruiting. And this is ISIS, the, the terrorist group in the Middle East. They were using Twitter and other things, other social media platforms to try to recruit people and radicalize. They were trying to radicalize and recruit people using Twitter and other social media. And some vigilante hacked into their accounts and uh, also posted, you know, adult content of alternative lifestyles and say, hey, we support these lifestyles now. So it was, again, it was the exact opposite of what ISIS was trying to do. And it was just to really anger them. That's hilarious. Meanwhile, is this like some dude that works at Twitter that's like a oh, password reset, boom, roasted. <laughs> yeah, there, there were some thoughts that the intelligence community was involved in that one to try to disrupt you know, recruiting in radicalizing operations but i guess the world will never know this is a big old game of like your mother's so fat at the end of the day right <laughs> rather than actually stop it we're just insult each other piss them <laughs> off all right our next topic isn't infosec related per se but i think with the shift from 
to uh, work from home and work from anywhere, uh, I came across an interesting article that said uh, keyboards and mice that we use every day, uh, it can be dirtier than public bathrooms. A microbiologist examined samples from 33 keyboards in an office and found things like E. coli, which can make people really sick. Can you say Chipotle in 2015? The scientists also swabbed a toilet seat and a toilet door handle in an office for comparison, and one of the keyboards in the experiment had to be removed from the office because it was five times dirtier than the toilet seat, and it had 150 times the acceptable limit of bacteria. The research showed that the chief culprit for the contamination was people eating at their desks, dropping crumbs between the keys, and those crumbs encouraged the growth of bacteria. Now, other causes included poor personal hygiene, particularly people failing to wash their hands after using the toilet. That's a lot of people not washing their hands and eating at their desk. <laughs> That's some pretty disgusting people out there. Right, Barry? Exactly. Well, I'm actually notorious for this. Like, if I am anywhere, like at the airport, at work, if I'm in the restroom washing my hands and someone finishes up and just walks out, I'm storming after them and I'm calling them out. Like, he did not wash his hands. He is like, that is a <laughs> filthy pig right there. That is disgusting. And, uh, you know, it's, it's ended up in a couple of confrontations. But, like, what are you going to do, right? It's just, don't be weird. Wash your hands. That's quite... That's quite different when a six foot two guy is chasing somebody out, calling him out, versus one that's five four saying, "Yo, you didn't wash your hands." That's a, that's a different take, Brian. <laughs> you, you have to hope that you know the public, the the public's going to come to your aid on that one. Yeah, <laughs> like the team is going to, yeah, whatever. Now I'm yeah, curious. I'm going to swab my keyboard. But how many of you guys know people at work that actually like clean their keyboards or clean their their cubicle for that matter? I, it's uh, I know I used to do it like at least once a week or a month, um, and just shake out the keyboard when I did when I was at the office and even at home I try and clean my desk every so often. Yeah, the, I think the the article and and the link will be in the description. The article said it, it cited some stat that said something like less than half of the people clean it you know once a month and there's like a 25 percent or something that just never clean it i mean it's just something you don't really think about you think of the keyboard as it's a tool i push buttons and text appears on the screen you don't think of it as like a high touch area or uh, things that collect food and bacteria because you just sometimes just too busy at your desk and stuff will inevitably fall in i I will admit though there's a difference between uh, you know when i had a windows keyboard or a traditional keyboard versus the Mac keyboard. On the Mac keyboard, there's really no crevice for things to fall into, and it's pretty, it's pretty flat, right? You could see if there's a crumb on top of it, and if you do need a crumb, it it would have a hard time falling between the keys. Whereas you know your traditional black keyboard that's raised and it's got that capacitor type touch to it, um, those crumbs fall in a lot. So maybe there's a difference in just keyboard style or type. As a rule of thumb, I don't eat at my desk. I'll drink stuff, right? But but I feel Mm -hmm. like eating is my one chance to get away from the dungeon so I can, you know, go out and like, you know, look at the the sun and (laughs) get all pissy out of my dungeon, but that's okay. But you're right with with the Mac keyboards. There's really not a lot going on there for sure. I have one of those old mechanical keyboards. Like when you click or you type, it's all 
got the the heart. I love it. I love that clicking noise. But if I forget to mute myself during a meeting, everyone knows like there's some maniac on the on his keyboard right now. You're typing. Go on mute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can personally attest to this when I worked in IT because I was responsible for cleaning workstations after people leave, and more often than not, I would have to end up tossing the keyboard or. I mean, responsibly e-waste the mouse and keyboard because they were just so disgusting. Like I would turn upside down, a bunch of food would fall out of it. And when I used that compressed air to clean, I had to put on a mask because all the junk would fly out. And don't get me started on people who don't wash their hands using the bathroom. Like, you know who they are around the office. I'm not brave enough, like Brian, to to call them out. But I keep track of what they touch and I'll use a Lysol wipe and go behind them afterwards. But... (laughs) <laughs> you know, that said, we often sanitize high-touch areas like doorknobs, but yeah, like when, when's the last time you really cleaned your keyboard or mouse? Like, yeah, I, I try to do it, you know, as, as often as, as I remember to, but it's not, definitely not top of mind. And, and there's levels of people, like I said, I don't mean to gross anyone out, but there's levels of people that will leave the bathroom after using and doing a number one. And there's people that'll walk out of a stall and you're like, what just happened? Because that is really gross. <laughs> Even if it was a false alarm, you got to like like you went in there like nothing happened, right? You're like that. You're the guy that farts in a the toilet then flushes it. You're still yeah. touching stuff. You gotta like wash yeah. your hands. Like it's not that much work. I don't know. Here I'll put myself on blast since I'm talking so much crap. I freaking bite my nails all the time, and I know that's a disgusting habit. But they're so short at this point in time. I think that uh, I'm there's less things in my nails, but there's more likely that they probably might start bleeding. <laughs> Because I keep them so short. But yeah, I'm, I'm one of those weird people that does that. And I always have to, these stupid Zoom calls. Like, I'm like, got to keep my hands off my face or else people are going to be like, oh, he must be nervous. He's, he's biting his nails again. It's a great way to, uh, you know, reduce the sex drive of your wife sitting there chewing <laughs> your nails. <laughs> Nothing's more attractive. And people not washing their hands. That's why they say you should never grab, you know, nuts out of the bowl and the, at the bar. Yeah, if, if everyone just puts their hand in it, that's why everything should be individually packaged or everyone gets their own bowl. Yeah. And that's the saving grace of COVID is that you don't shake hands anymore. It's because like, thank God, because I really exactly. don't shake anyone's hands. I still shake <laughs> hands. I'm there to crush your hands and your spirit every single time. <laughs> it's my way to let people know who's in charge. By the way, do you guys You're know? You're your will. So there's a secret, and I learned this when selling cars. So when you shake someone's hand, there's a, sub- a subconscious gesture you can do. So like if I go to shake your hand, it's the first time I'm meeting you, I will actually go palm up to where you your hand is on top of mine and instinctively helps diffuse the situation. Like you feel like, oh, Brian's a nice guy because I, I have exerted my authority after him. And so then after the meeting, or in this particular case, after you've sold the car, and you go to shake their hand, you just grab it, and you just turn it slowly, you put your hand on top, little little <laughs> smile, it's like, yeah, I just got paid, and then just walk away. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that one, Brian. Yeah. We're just going to sit there and battle, like, wh- wh- where's the hand going to go? <laughs> All right, on to our next topic, the surprising state of multi-factor authentication. Twitter released their transparency report showing an astonishingly low multi-factor authentication adoption rate. Multi-factor authentication requires an additional step after typing your login name and password, and this helps prevent things like brute force attacks or easily guessed passwords from compromising your account. It's typically a six-digit code sent to you via text message 
a code generator that creates a six-digit code, or a hardware security key. So Twitter announced that only about 2.3% of Twitter's users have at least one form of multi-factor authentication enabled. Of that 2.3%, 80% of those users are using SMS as their second factor. And we talked before that SMS is only slightly better than nothing due to the lack of security in, in SMS is the very old antiquated SS7 system and the ease of SIM swap attacks where someone basically steals my phone number and then they can receive my text messages and my, my multi-factor codes. In fact, Twitter did not offer a non-SMS-based MFA solution until their CEO, Jack Dorsey, his account was hacked from a SIM swap attack. So after they compromise the CEO, the CEO says, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to offer non-SMS-based multi-factor authentication. Now, I'm not sure if this is an indictment on the user base or if this is really Twitter's fault for not supporting MFA and non-SMS-based multi-factor authentication for too long. With the high-profile attacks last year of all those Bitcoin scams where the accounts of, of like Apple and Joe Biden were successfully hacked and they posted that that, that post that said, you know, send me your Bitcoin and I'll send you twice as much. Uh, you would think Twitter would take account security more serious. I'm a big fan of FFA and I, I'm still today wondering why SMS, knowing that SMS is is not a, a great two-factor or multi-factor, I, I still don't understand how that's used. If you look at some of the banking out there, they're still using MFA. It's like, why are we still doing this today, knowing that what's at stake here? See, I'm okay with the SMS stuff because I don't know who is going to get a hold of my phone and, and do a SIM, SIM swap attack on me. Uh, where I'm more fearful of this is less on Twitter and less on like Bank of America, but more from the enterprise, right? I, I think there's there's tools out there like Evil Jinx that can proxy the whole MFA or OTP request and then get temporary foothold into your organization. So. The, the whole purpose of Evil Jinx, right, is, is that. And I think once you're in, then their idea is, or the concept there would be like phishing link goes out and they, they click on it. They think they're on, on Microsoft. They authenticate. The user captures the uh, uh, the cookies for their, their stored session, right? And then the user is kind of re- redirected to, you know, uh, OneDrive or SharePoint, whatever it is. Is so they really have no idea. But that cookie is only temporary. So then the attacker has to get more of a foothold into the environments. And that's when they start doing the whole, like we'll attack OneDrive and put our malware up there and then we'll do an email thread hijack and, and, and do that. I think that there's better ways of, of doing multi-factor authentication that isn't so much in their face. I really like it with, with transparent MFA. So certificate based checks on a company owned device. If it's Azure joined, other posture checks that doesn't really require, you know, a hard token or or some type of MFA. I think it's a little bit cleaner. What do you guys think? The uh, to answer, I'm going to answer Glenn's question first. You know, why is why do why do banks still offer SMS? And I think it's 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 always going to go back to that conversation of security versus convenience. Like if if I told my parents, you have to carry around this this USB key, and every time you want to log into your bank, you got to plug it in. They're going to say a, a US what? And if, if I just tell them, hey, you know, every time you log in, you're going to get a text message with the code on your phone. Just enter that in and, and you're in. Uh, I think the adoption rate is going to be, be a lot better. It's not as secure, but it's convenient now, now that we all have smartphones and we all have devices that can receive uh, SMS. Uh, but, but to your point, Brian, for, for enterprise grade 
multi-factor authentication. Yeah, SMSs should should never be an option. And my personal favorite is YubiKey. So it is is a hardware security token. I turn it on for all my accounts that support it. And I do carry around a YubiKey on my, my keychain. I always have one on me. So if I have to log into an account from uh, a device that I don't own, I'm still able to do that. Uh, with with that, but it, it is inconvenient that I have to carry it around with me. But it's 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 worth it for me uh, from a security standpoint. Is that in your keychain, or is it like attached to your backpack or your zipper on your pants? <laughs> keychain, keychain. <laughs> and I mean that's a pretty secure location. Because anyone goes grabbing right there, I'm going to know. I'm like there is no pocket in the middle. Get away from me, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, so is that so, why you keep yours, Brian? <laughs> That's where I would keep it if I had a, a hardware. And on that note, like the, the bank that I use, they only offer two forms of multi-factor authentication, either text text message, actually text message, phone call, or email. I'm sure as hell not going to do an email because I feel like that would be a lot. That, that's an easier attack vector than my phone. And I don't want a phone call because I'm not going to sit there and listen and try to type in, you know, the eight digits that just came in. I like the text on that, to be honest with you guys. I guess it's risk versus reward and convenience. And I think that's what a lot of yeah. the, uh, the CISOs look at as well. I, I would say, yeah, of those three methods, text message sucks the least. So that's that's probably why you, you'll go with that one. It's not the best, but it, it sucks the least. As, as a callback to our, our previous story, actually, uh, as a general rule, you should never touch another person's belt buckle. Number one, that's the first thing they touch after using the bathroom. And it also likely never gets cleaned. Yeah. So we got to get off the topic of hygiene here. So <laughs> getting grossed out. <laughs> All right, on to our last segment. And this is going to be a rotating segment every week. And this week we're going to be talking about Farmer Bro Martin Screlly. So are you guys familiar with him, Pharma Bro Martin Screlly? He's most famous for buying pharmaceutical drugs, and these are usually specialty or boutique drugs where there's only one company that makes it, and it's usually for a, a rare disease, but it's life-saving to anyone who actually has that disease. He would buy the drug and jack up the price five or ten, ten times, calling them, quote, undervalued. He received a lot of criticism for that, which put a microscope on him, and because of that, he was eventually convicted of securities fraud in 2017. And as part of his sentence, he was ordered to forfeit uh, something he owned, which was the Wu-Tang Clan album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. This is a -a one-of-a-kind album, as there's only one that was ever made, and a buyer for it was recently found. So the government seized it, they sold it, and somebody actually bought it. The price was not disclosed, and no, this was not the large financial transaction I talked about in episode 5. Are either of you guys the buyer? I am not yeah, I the buyer. Know. No, I am more I'm likely to drop fifty thousand dollars on a unopened nineteen eighty seven Fleer um, basketball trading card set in in the hopes of getting a rookie uh, Michael Jordan card. To be honest with you, yeah, I'd, I'd rather buy a pair of Air Jordans. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when Scarelli bought it, it was one point seven million, and Jeez. the. The price is, I think it's part of the auction process. The price wasn't, wasn't disclosed. The buyer wasn't disclosed. Um, the lawyer representing the buyer says they'll reveal themselves within the next two months or so. So we'll see if you guys are telling the truth that you guys did not buy this album. And it, it wasn't me either. How crazy would it be? Like, this out of nowhere, Trump comes out. He's like, Wu-Tang forever. He's just holding the CD. <laughs> You're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. 
Yeah, and funny you mention that. So, I mean, love him or hate him, uh, Farmer Bro, uh, he was absolutely hilarious on on Twitter, just like John McAfee that we we talked a few weeks ago on on episode fifteen. And during the twenty sixteen presidential election here in the U.S., uh, Martin Screlly trolled some pretty famous celebrities. Uh, let's just say Screlly's candidate won, and he tweeted out to celebrities like Lena Dunham and Amy Schumer that they could use his private jet for free to move out of the country. And that's because Dunham and Schumer promised to move out of the U.S. if their candidate lost, and, well, their candidate lost. I remember a lot of candidates saying, or a lot of people saying that uh, if a certain candidate wins. I'm still waiting for people to leave, so like I said, more power to them, right? Um, and, and, and the reality is, I'll, I'll be, like I said, like, joking aside, right? I, I'm a person that has lived in several other countries. I know better. I like it here just fine. Uh, as many faults as the U.S. has, I like it here just fine. Yeah, and without naming names, someone in our circle that we actually know is is friends with uh, Skrilly on LinkedIn, which is hilarious. I actually found him on LinkedIn. I sent him a LinkedIn uh, invite request. This is, of course, after he went to jail. And uh, so far, he has not accepted it. So either he's not accepting new requests or he's personally doing it and he cannot accept my invitation from jail. He will one day, yeah. Chris. Don't worry. Hold your breath. You got it. <laughs> Hold your breath. You got this, man. So I can say can I'm, you... I'm the friend of a friend that has a friend request to to Schumer. Yeah. Can you share <laughs> yeah, that Martin his Screlly. Facebook pro, his Facebook uh, profile in the, uh, the the show notes in the in the podcast? Yeah, that yeah. way we can yeah, um, why not? see who gets accepted first. There you go. All right. Yeah, I really do old, miss the old Chappelle show uh, skits uh, talking about Wu Tang. Uh, do you guys remember things like Wu Tang Financial and the uh, the, finan- the 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 racial draft where where the uh, the Asian person um, uh, drafts the the entire Wu Tang clan? It's like, is this allowed? And then they go to the judges, like, yeah, yeah, we'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, I I, I uh, love this Chappelle show. I it was recently I showed like season one, episode one. Like, if you don't know what it is. It's it's ludicrous, and uh, we were. I decided to show my daughter and her boyfriend this, and they were just sitting there in awe, like their eyes were big. They're like, "How was this ever legal? Is like, is this like some sort of dark CD like that no one's ever heard?" Of? I was like, "No, man, he's been on Comedy Central like at nine o'clock in the after in, in the in the evening." They're just blown away, like what you were able to get away with back in the day. And, and he was at, he asked Netflix to take himself off, right? I mean, if I remember right, because he was on Netflix for. For quite some time. No, it was H. So the story there is that he pitched the Chappelle show to HBO. And in the meeting, HBO says, well, you know, what good are you to us? Is what Instead of saying yes or no, we'll take your show. They're like, what, what do you actually bring to the table? They were jerks about it. And, uh, and so, so now he has a skit where he talks about it. And he's like, and he goes, the ironic part about this is the Chappelle show is actually on HBO. So he's like, my question to them is, what do I bring to the table? Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of a <laughs> subscribership, nice. baby. Yeah. Nice. And I almost wonder, like, do you know if he even gets paid on that? Because, I mean, he's getting insane contracts, but he probably doesn't, like, actually own that that material there, does he? Or is that Comedy Central's? I'm That's sure a good question. Gets, I'm sure they yeah. all get royalties somehow, right? Because it's... Yeah, he's... It wasn't he probably gets right? residuals. Didn't go syndication. Yeah. Yeah, like I remember when Seinfeld sold to, 
Actually, I don't remember who Seinfeld sold. Was H? Was it Netflix? Seinfeld sold basically all the episodes of Seinfeld to one of the major streaming platforms, and he and Larry David made out with a ton of money. And I don't think the other actors got anything because I think it was Seinfeld and, and Larry David that that owned it. Yeah, maybe we can get a Joe Rogan contract and switch over to Spotify. <laughs> there you, <know>. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a completely different podcast. <laughs> Speaking of which, one day, Chris, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we could do video one day, but we'll, we'll have to figure that out at a different juncture. So, Yeah, I I mentioned on the last podcast, but I did start streaming on Twitch, so I, I'm perfecting the streaming of it. So one, one day, hopefully soon, we'll be able to, to stream the podcast live. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian's up. Do we actually get great comments? I, I think you're, I'm calling cap as the, as the kids would say, but no. Uh, all right. Here's my dad joke. Why do cows wear bells? Because their horns don't work. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> nice job, Barry. <laughs> yeah. That one's definitely not going to be raving fans, but you know, give it a shot. Anyways, back to you, Chris. All right, let's wrap things up. The Olympics are going on right now, and the opening ceremony was a disappointment. The Babook ransomware crew gets ransomed in a taste of their own medicine. Your keyboard and mouse are absolutely filthy, and take this as a call to action to clean them today. Twitter's transparency report only shows 2.3% of its users enrolled in multi-factor authentication. And farmer bro Martin Scarelli's copy of a one-of-a-kind Wu-Tang Clan album was sold, and none of the hosts claim to be the buyer. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. And you can help us grow the podcast by telling someone else about it. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PepCac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For my co-hosts Glenn Medina and Brian Deach, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Thank you all. Have a good one. And by listening, you will be 10% more hygienic. (laughs) There you go. That's right. Bye. Bye.